welcome to episode 33 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 19th of March 2018. I'm Joe, and with me are Jesse. You right, fella? <laughs> Phelim. Uh. <laughs> and Ike. Hello, not fella. <laughs> yes, hello. Uh, so, uh, got plenty to get on with, so let's get straight on with it. Uh, start with some news. GNOME 3.28 has been released. And Jesse, you obviously put this in, and you're obviously very excited about it. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, massive GNOME story. Currently, uh, the flagship GNOME operating system, Pop OS, is a 3.26. So 3.28 is a big step up. Um, incredibly useful things like having favorite features on the files and contacts, so you can identify favorite files and get them quickly. Have contacts at the top that you want. Uh, weather information been added to the calendar. You can download OSs directly into boxes, which is the GNOME uh, virtual machine manager. So you can just say, right, I want this distribution, and it'll go and get it. Um, and you can drag and drop files in there as well. Uh, on-screen keyboard update. There's a new application called Usage for like monitoring system and things, which you have to sort of think, don't we have enough of those? Yeah, Gnome System Monitor. Why do we need another one? Have you not seen the irony of this? And I think this is this is a bit of a bitchy remark, by the way. I'm just letting everybody know this. This is kind of telling of GNOME as a whole. So this new usage application, it shows you your memory and processor usage. The application is using 24 fucking percent of the processor <laughs> to record oh, how much nice. of the processor is being used. So back to you, Jesse. Early, early stages. It's only looking at RAM and processors. There's obviously lots of bugs to be ironed out and improvements to be made but they're looking at network power and data will be upcoming later on i love a graph with no axes though <laughs> oh, all right Im- more improvements to be made uh and uh, and there, do you know when there's like a list of improvements that uh, a project has got and you sort of think what you weren't doing that already and like in clocks you can now add utc as a time zone yeah i was a bit shocked by that yeah but, um, <laughs> well that's, that's a feature and a half to, to be adding now at this stage and also it says that um, the contacts application, which I don't think anyone really uses, but the contacts application, you can sort by either surname or first name now. So It's just, it's just luxury after luxury that you guys get, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, sometimes I read these things, I think, oh, really? Like, I didn't know that wasn't a thing, and now you've pointed it out. I particularly like the fact that you could add favorites to files and folders. Wow. Is that a KDE thing as well? Yes, it's called Places and it's been there since forever. Forever and ever and ever. No, no, so that's... Places has always been there. So you've got your home and music and photos and downloads and what have you. The, the sort yeah, of main you get one. them in the sidebar. Yeah, you get those in the sidebar of yeah, your... Yeah, they live there, but you can... Yes, Dolphin has that. It's called Places and it's in the sidebar of Dolphin. Okay, so let's say you're uh, always accessing like uh, a graph that records your weight. And so you want that to be easily accessible all the time. Rather than have to go within folders and whatever, you can star that one file, and that one file will be there. You know where you could put it? Like the handiest place, and it's just occurred to me, you could put that document on the desktop. Oh, shit, no. <laughs> because they removed the desktop entirely from Norm 3.2a, and now it's only going to be available through shell extensions. And it's not in the sidebar either, so you won't have your desktop. So yeah, let's star it. Look, Ike, if I have to defend from Phelan and you, it's not going to happen. Okay, it's got a cool name. Right, anything else good about GNOME 3.28 or are we moving on? 25,000 updates. <laughs> yeah, but think of how many of those were actually automatic commits that came from translations. I was just wondering, was that a character count they made or were those actual updates? Like, 
I mean, it kind of looks cool. There's some new stuff coming in, but it's always, it's like, ah, yeah, this stuff is there, but it's not really going to be done until the next time. But 25,000, like, what? Yeah, that's like commits across all of their repos. So that's, you know, that's manageable in six months. I'd give them that. Okay. Yeah, wait for the point one. Okay. Fair enough. (laughs) All right, so what's this about KDE needing help from Gnome with global menus? Yeah, this is this is a troll bait by old Jesse, I would say. So I let him explain this one. So KDE doesn't allow uh, global menus, and so someone has mashed into uh, KDE the ability to use the GTK global menu system. <laughs> Why would you want a fucking global menu in the first place? Yeah, it's Fuck completely knows. wrong. Katie's got a very nice global menu, which is a menu that drops down and is global, yes, for the application, but it's not the global GNOME-like one that Unit uses. Yeah, because that started out when you started getting the extensions over on the Canonical side with the Ayatana project, and they used a non-standard proxy to talk. So now you have Gmenu, which has been Glib, which is derived from that. So they're speaking two different languages just for those menus. And on top of that, you already had support for stuff like Java and LibreOffice and XUL. So now, like the odd one out was that was left was GTK. So Plasma's already had the feature to have a global menu bar since Jesus ever everything since forever that and places it's always had it but yeah now we can actually use gtk apps and you know save six pixels on your screen it's very nice i've, I've always used it it's great because you don't need to see file and all that crap up the top all the time anyway so you use it the same as the way that ubuntu used to have it no it's not quite the same um so it's an icon that appears up beside the close maximize button and all that and it's an extra drop down button so that's where it would appear from um so whereas in uh, in unity isn't it appear in a top um shared bar along the top right you have two so you have global menu bar which is basically if we're gonna you know cut to the chase here is mac os right that's the global yeah, menu bar that, that everyone's had for a while the other one was what um they decided to call locally integrated menus which meant instead of them being so far away i.e within the window they would move them up into the title bar above where the menu bar used to be. But that's basically what they've done now. So you can have like that unity behavior without a dead desktop. I mean, without an unfunded, without a desktop that nobody wants. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, let's move on and talk about the Raspberry Pi 3B+, Plus, which is a marginal improvement over the Raspberry Pi 3. Marginal is probably not fair because it's got faster network, wired and wireless. It's got a slightly faster processor um, clock speed. It's got better thermal management, better wireless aerial, and generally speaking, better. That's the take home message here. Better. Better. Who's going to buy one of these then? Yes, me surprisingly ah you're finally gonna get one yeah a friend of mine's getting one so i did to get them and try and make a jukebox or something <laughs> out of one now it's about time you got with the program and started doing some sort of arm hacking um what about you jesse you've got loads of pies you're trying to get rid of old ones so presumably <laughs> you're not in the market for new ones so there's a little sort of project that i thought up uh, a couple of weekends ago and i tried it with one of my 
old, like one of the very first iterations of the Pi. And you just come across all these problems, like it doesn't have Wi-Fi, and like there aren't enough GPIO pins for the things you want to do, and uh, all the documentation now is all for the more the newer versions, the W and the, and the three. And I just thought, ah, oh, these just need to be stood on and and got rid of and get a nice shiny one. However, I have no justification for let's say all these new improvements. I think if you had like a Raspberry Pi NAS or like a Plex server or oh, I don't I doubt it could do Plex, but some some sort of um local media or own cloud or something, the fact that you've got sort of three times improvement on the um on the wireless uh, sorry on the uh, ethernet would would you know really help those sorts of applications but i don't have one that i can justify all these little improvements yeah there's someone i know who i helped set up a, a nas effectively um slash media box and um he's got an old laptop but it doesn't have hdmi out and so i was thinking about a pi to run Kodi and also to install samba on it effectively but the problem has always been the not only is the the throughput just terrible on the Pi three? You're looking at about I, I swear the, the the numbers they quote are bullshit because uh, wired and wireless I have found to be about the same of about sort of thirty ish maybe forty or fifty megabits tops, but uh, with this new one they have addressed this other problem as well that although it would peak at like 30 40 50 megabits per second it would just crap out constantly i think it was a thermal issue or something whereas now they're saying this 3b plus doesn't have that problem and it can continuously put out three times what they were before so they're claiming um 100 megabits uh ish wireless and 300 wired which I'm just not having that. Basically, it's more than three times if that if those figures are true. Um, so I, I'm almost suggesting it to that person to replace it with a Pi, but I just I still I don't know. It's still only got one gig of RAM, and it's just going to be a little bit ropey for that. If it's for watching stuff, it's perfectly fine. The main problem is uh, is the drive that you use to watch it with, because a lot of the time, if you're putting onto a, a standard USB disc, that's where your problem is going to be, because it's trying to write to that and it's just dying. You need it to be onto a SSD or something proper, like a proper full size hard drive, um, because that's what I use. I had a spare SSD coming out of an old laptop, and it was a it was a full size one that was in a two and a half inch caddy, and that writes completely fine. It doesn't stall when you try and write to it. And I find I can transfer across that a fairly large several gig file and that'll go across within a matter of, I don't know, a minute. And that's no problem at all. And that's going across the wire. And I never have any stalls with that either. And that's just, that's that's a, just standard three. So it's not even this one. Mm, so maybe the three B plus would be the solution for him then. I might have to, uh, well, I have suggested it, but I've said that it might be, not as good as this old Celeron laptop that is already not being great for the NAS aspect of it, but it would be nice to have it plugged directly into the um, into the telly. But um, yeah, I'd, I'll probably end up with one eventually. But I just I've got too much crap already. I can't be buying more. So uh, yeah, there's a, a video as well from the Raspberry Pi that will stick in the notes. Uh, the foundation made a uh, video with uh, Eben talking about it, which is uh, quite interesting. It's a funny sort of. He's asking the questions, but also answering the questions because he knows everything that's going on. It's a yeah. weird. It's a weird sort of 
interview, but the interviewer knows all the answers and yeah. Uh, but but Phelan, you said you were interested in one. What's your application? Well, I've got one for a camera. Um, <laughs> my car was modified by some helpful individuals a few times. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm gonna. I have one already. It, uh, it's just a Model Two, I think it is, and. It's a bit painful to get video. It's, so it's full HD video coming off the camera. Um, and I can't even use full frames per second on that. So it stores locally to a hard drive. And you will only get a couple of days worth of storage out of a fairly large disk on that. Um, so what would be more ideal is that you'd have a central disk getting stored. And you could, you know, if you could even do power over ethernet i could shove it somewhere in the attic in a slightly better location and um you know you could actually probably do even a better rate of display on that as well because you could pipe it across the network at a far better rate i I was i couldn't i could never really get a reliable transfer rate even on wired network with that so um yeah that'd be awesome yeah well this is gonna support power over ethernet with a hat which they haven't released yet I know, and that, that that really interests me. So, um, yeah, I might be very tempted to get that replaced because it was only a Model 2 that I've got the camera on because it was a way to uh, to try out the Pinewire camera on it and stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, and uh, have you got a switch that supports power over Ethernet? I don't, but that's an excuse to get one. All right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, let's talk about Microsoft, shall we, and Windows, everyone's favorite subject. We haven't really spoken much about the subsystem for Linux on this show, but now um, Debian and Kali Linux are available for it via the, the Microsoft App Store or whatever the fuck they call it. So I just thought I'd bring this up and, and see what we all make of this then, of them embracing, extending and extinguishing. I think you sort of hit the nail on the head there. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's now you've got Debian, um, Fedora, Ubuntu, uh, SUSE and Kali Linux, which is a bit strange to have that, but... Uh, there's been a lot of talk about how Microsoft are, you know, getting into this open source space and, and people seem to be in strong disagreement with each other. Some people are saying that, well, Satya Nadella has come in and he's revitalized the company um, and they, they genuinely do care about open source and stuff these days. Um, then you've got other people saying that it's them trying to fuck up Linux by, you know, embrace extinguish and all that shit. And then there's, me in the middle saying well hang on it's just them realizing that they can't ignore linux anymore they can't afford to from a financial point of view it just makes financial sense for them to embrace linux because otherwise they're going to be left behind but i guess the fear that people from the linux side have is that you won't need to be able to use you'll be all you have to be able to do is to um, log in remotely and, and do what you need to do and never like embrace Linux. So the whole sort of Linux ecosystem that we see from a desktop point of view and a sort of hobbyist side, Raspberry Pi and all that, will sort of die off while Microsoft uses what's the useful part of Linux and the servers and the clusters and everything. And they just you can just use Microsoft products for doing all those sorts of things. And uh, it's sort of a worst case scenario from a long shot because Linux has quite happily been on the desktop for years and years without Microsoft doing anything about it. But I think that sort of comes from, you know, years of Microsoft having been the bad guy or still being or potentially always will be or not the bad guy, depending on what your view is. And so that's sort of, I think that's sort of where it comes from. Yeah, I think guess you'd have to kind of say, well, what's the end game for them in this? I mean, 
they're not doing it out of the goodness that they are on hearts. They are a company, and the only people they really answer to are shareholders because they're a publicly listed company. So if this is not going to make them money, they're not going to do it for fun. You know, the fun is not going to make them profit, and profit is really all that drives them. So if there's not some profit end goal at the end of this, they can't justify it, so they can't spend money on it. So there's got to be a profit margin somewhere there. I don't think it has anything to do with um with Linux desktop itself, like people are complaining that, you know, Linux desktop is suffer because Microsoft's doing this, that, and the other, then perhaps the Linux desktop should have answered that warning call a long time ago. And then, you know, you wouldn't really have this problem. If, if it's a point where Microsoft is able to cripple the Linux desktop market, then that's kind of the fault of the Linux desktop market for not competing more effectively with an established product, right? So completely bypass that. And then you look at the kinds of people who are using Unix style tools and it's people with MacBooks and people having to use these Linux systems to get into the servers that they're administrating. So why not get rid of all those systems and only need Windows across the board? Then they can have access to all of these development tools. They can have Node.js. They can have Bash. You know, they can run all this stuff without the need for a Linux box and interact with the servers that they're administrating that are already Linux. So for them, it's business sense and putting the tooling that they're going to be using on the remote servers into the hand of the users, while at the same time, you know, going around uh, the Mac ecosystem entirely and giving them a competitive edge. Well, yeah, that's the reality of this, isn't it? That mm. they're not competing with Linux, they're competing with Apple. Yeah, they're using Linux to go after Apple. Yeah, people in the Linux world like to think that it's us they're competing with, but they don't really give a shit, do they? They do not give a fuck about the Linux desktop. It is not even remotely a threat to them. And I say that as someone who has his own desktop and has his own distro. We are not a threat to Microsoft. They don't care about us. They care about what does the market dominance currently look like and where are the areas they're failing, how they fa- how they basically failed in a few areas to innovate on client and cloud. Well, they are innovating on cloud itself with Azure, but they want people to be able to connect to that. If you look, if you start connecting the dots, you look in the last few years, all the partnership Microsoft has had through the Azure store with all the different Linux distros, which has all been server-based. There's been no mention and no care about the desktop stuff. So now they need people using their Windows notebooks and laptops and tablets and everything to actually access and use the same consistent tooling between them. And yeah, Linux desktop just doesn't enter into it. So it's not about love because at the end of the day, love made nobody no fucking money. <laughs> I don't know. Oldest professional in the world. Well, well that's not exactly yeah, that's not really love, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to be good at your job then. So. Yeah. Um, all right, well, uh, the last one, a brief mention that Firefox and Chromium are now available as Snaps. This is obviously your doing, Jesse, just to prove that this is the year of Snaps. That was one of your predictions, wasn't it? Yeah, I had a quick check, and uh, Oprah isn't in there yet. Um, Opera. <laughs> anyway, uh, but Mumble is, so I've got one out of my three, so we're we're getting there slowly. And what about Audacity? Is that not there yet? No, not there either. Okay, so hold on. <laughs> so if you are running an Ubuntu-based system, you're already getting Firefox through the partner's repo, right, with Canonical and Mozilla. You will get the updates as soon as they are able to deliver those. You have Mumble, you have Audacity already in the repos. Why do you need these as snaps? I need them as snaps just so that I can uh, meet my goal from the predictions episode. Because I had to pick, <laughs> I, had to, I had to pick some sort of ve- some sort of thing that I could pin down and say in December. All right, we've met it or not. And they were the ones that I think of all the time because they're the three that I install 
all the time. Uh, I'll give you that one. <laughs> well, to answer your question, Ike, Firefox and Chromium make no sense to me because they're just in the repos. They're up to date anyway. And they have their own sandboxing mechanisms already. Yeah, even on the LTSs. However, if you're on an LTS, say you're on 16.04 like I am, you've now got quite an old version of Audacity, quite an old version of Mumble, and the newer versions have new features. And so if you snap them and snap install them, then you're going to have a much newer version or at least a significantly newer version with new features that you otherwise wouldn't have. So that, to me, is a pretty decent argument for using snaps in that case. Yeah, I mean, I don't particularly have that problem while we're running a rolling release, but I'm sure if, <laughs> I'm sure that it does make sense because you've also got the argument in the other way. You might be running a rolling release and you actually want to stick to the older version of something because not all new software is good software. So it works both ways. Well, I'll yeah. give you both points. Except Jesse. No, not Firefox. No. <laughs> yeah, and Firefox doesn't really make that much sense to me on Ubuntu. Although, Firefox Developer Edition, that could make sense. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. You've got the various channels, haven't you, with snaps. And so you can do the, like, dash dash edge or uh, beta or whatever. So that kind of makes sense if you want to have pre-release stuff really easily. So, yeah. Um, all right, on to a bit of admin then. And first of all, thank you everyone for supporting us on PayPal and Patreon. It is very much appreciated. It's been a little bit quiet with new people signing up to that lately. So uh, if you do want to join them, go to latenightlinux.com slash support and help us keep the show on the road. And go to latenightlinux.com slash contact for ways to get in touch with us. Uh, so another quick plug for Foss Talk Live. There are still a few tickets available. Ubuntu Podcast have still not mentioned it on their show. I think they're going to be mentioning it in another few weeks. Um, that is uh, an evening of live podcasts with us, Ubuntu Podcast, Linux Voice, and uh, Stuart Language and Dave Mega Slippers and Marius Quarbeck. Uh, that is on the 9th of June in London near King's Cross, Saturday evening. So uh, go to fosstalk.com and uh, get your ticket for that um what else oh yeah youtube don't forget that um we are on youtube if you prefer to listen to us that way uh we've even got proper thumbnails with the episode number now which is good so uh you can uh, find a link to that on the website anyway if you're interested in that and um itunes ratings i don't know who put this in but yes good call uh we know that people out there are listening to us with itunes yeah the missus brought a uh, ipad home from work and I instantly thought, hello, I can now go on iTunes, I can rate us, let's go. Uh, so so ran along, gave us a quick five star and realised that we don't have enough ratings for that star to be against our name. So you need, a, you need a certain minimum number. And I thought we should have a little shout out. So that's a good way of getting uh, found by people who are searching for podcasts and things. Yeah, rate and review and all that kind of thing. Are we marked as explicit so we don't get into trouble? We are, Yes. Yes. We know a lot of you out there are using iTunes. Um, whether you want to admit it or not is another matter. But uh, yes, do give us a rating and review if you don't mind, please. We won't judge you. Secretly, we're judging you. <laughs> All right, so this episode of Late Night Linux is sponsored by Entroware. Go to entroware.com. And they are a dedicated Linux computer seller based here in the UK. And they sell a bunch of laptops and desktops and servers running Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate 1604 and 1710. Won't be long before 1804 is available from them. And this is a company who actually cares about Linux. 
I say that every time and I mean it every time. It's all they do. It's not just some hobby for them. It's not some side project. They are a company dedicated to selling machines running Linux. And they've got all sorts of laptops from fairly affordable ones all the way up to real powerhouses that are ideal for basically anything you want to throw at them. And most of the stuff is configurable as well in terms of CPU and RAM and storage. So you're guaranteed to find something to suit your budget. And they ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. And if you do buy one of the machines, then do mention us at checkout. Mention Late Night Linux, and they'll know that uh, we sent you to them. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. Okay, so at this point, I had hoped that we would be talking to Richard Stallman on this episode, but it turns out that he's an unreasonable bastard, and so he's not coming on the show because we won't change the name to GNU slash Late Night Linux or whatever. No, Late Night GNU slash Linux. Basically, had a back and forth with him over email and tried to explain to him that we are not a show about GNU slash Linux. Yes, we talk about GNU slash Linux on the desktop and server, but we also cover a lot of non-GNU slash Linux, Linux, as in Android and Tizen and Sailfish and that sort of thing. But he just wasn't having it, is the bottom line. And so it, it made me ask the question to myself, to what extent these days is it GNU slash Linux? How important are the GNU bits of it, given you've got system D and stuff now? Um, I suppose, Ike, you are the obvious person to ask about this because you run a distro. Oh, he's throwing me in the fire. Yeah, I don't <laughs> expect you to, to comment necessarily on Richard Storm being a twat, but um, how justified is he in still banging that drum about it being GNU slash Linux? Because if you, if you believe what he says, the kernel is just one tiny bit that Torvalds put into it, but otherwise the operating system is GNU. Yeah, I mean... Look, at there's more than one compiler in the world, right? GCC is not the only compiler. glibc is not the only C library out there. And I, because of this rampant behavior from, you know, what's the polite term here? Evangelists. I mean, I've even got to the point where I would quite happily fuck all of the GNU software out of Solus because of this, this kind of carry on. Um, obviously, the kernel is a major component, right? That's the thing that actually makes over things run and work and that's got to be compiled by something typically gcc but users aren't running gcc it's just compiled with it and if you was to do like a ratio of everything in your system say how much of this is gnu and how much of it isn't you're talking about uh you're talking about stuff like um glibc is going to be the main one that you actually care about and bash you know, but you can quite easily change all of those out as well. There's nothing to say that a Linux desktop has to be powered by a GNU user space. And there is also the slight issue with GNU lock-in. I know that sounds a little bit controversial to say. Um, basically, there are GNU extensions to see that a lot of open source projects are reliant on, which make them very hard to compile with anything other than GCC. Even if you wanted to use Clang, you kind of then have to port it. Then if you're using GCC, you have to use glibc. And if you're using GCC and glibc, you have to use bin utils. Do you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> you also need all of the other stuff like automake, which is all GNU stuff. So to me, GNU, yeah, it you know, their software is out there. It's typically some of the buggiest stuff and the most annoying stuff that I have to deal with. 
it could quite happily be replaced, but the fact is the stack is so entirely codependent that it's made it hard to remove. It doesn't mean that it actually makes stuff better. There are far superior options out there. There are better libcs out there. There are better linkers. There are better compilers that are plug-in based with a modern architecture. So I, I don't really think it's a question, uh, you know, like the difference between the kernel and um, the, the so-called operating system, which is a vast multitude of components from various different communities and developers. And that the GNU guys feel that they can rename it because they own a couple of bits in the lower stack that are then deployed. I think that's entirely unfair. And if you want to look at it the other way, that you should then rename every project GNU slash Linux. Let's take my example with Solus. It would have to be called Solus GNU slash Linux, right? Problem that is, I do not have a sub-license trademark from the Linux Foundation to even call it that. So attempting to rename everything to GNU slash Linux is actually in of itself a trademark violation. This is the sort of idealism we are dealing with. So maybe the solution isn't so much to look for the split with it. It should actually be to let them all get on over in their corner, fighting a war and you know, they've forgotten how to be civilians. Instead, we should just go and make better software and just use stuff that isn't locked to the GNU ways. I think that's kind of more appropriate. But apart from that, I have no real strong opinion on it. So how far back in time would you have to go for it only to be a GNU option that allows you to run the Linux kernel? Because obviously at some point there was GNU and Linux was was used to produce a functioning um, operating system that could be run on hardware, and the only option was GNU. Unfortunately, GNU is a a terrible word to hear, use, and say and write, and GNU slash Linux is worse. Even worse. So I can fully understand that had they come out with, you know, if their name was Mirror, for example, and they wanted it to be called the Mirror Operating System, that might have flown, that might have gone and they might have got the mind share and Linux wouldn't have been mentioned, but it's just a horrible thing to have to use, say, write and do. But you're saying that these have, you know, better ones have come along. So why haven't they been used over GNU? Because at this point you have binary lock-in to GNU as well. Obviously it's not intended, it's just the, the state of where we are. We have things that are now basically require the nuances of glibc to even run because of the very ugly design of glibc over the years you'll have stuff like google chrome actually requires the private symbols that are in the glibc libraries because of the way that it's linked by the gnu toolchain so to even run those like if you wanted to run google chrome you basically have to have like a gnu set of libraries to run that which kind of issues the whole idea of freedom the fact that it's locked to you know GNU extensions to C and GNU binary compatibility, so that to me doesn't really speak highly of freedom or portability in any sense of the word. But there are distros out there who have kind of, if you like, seen the light and are also going in other directions. I mean, look at Alpine Linux. You know, they're trying to get away from all that, trying to have a clean base. You've got distros out there like, you know what? We're not doing glibc anymore. This is years and years of cruft. Let's not do that. Let's use a new, cleanly written C library. There's one called Muzzle. Absolutely brilliant. So the the place it really actually affects anyone is the desktop. That's actually the only place where you tend to get locked to the GNU stuff because NVIDIA proprietary drivers, which there are workarounds appearing for, 
and Google Chrome. If you used to ignore those, you could get rid of all, like literally every part of GNU, you could get rid of it. But technically, GNOME itself is a new uh, GNU project, even though it's also sort of not. Like, by name only, it's a GNU project. But, I mean, I'm not particularly caring about GNOME either, so... <laughs> right. So, Phelim, you are pretty old-school Linux. You've been using it for a very long time, and you do not call it GNU slash Linux. Something I tried to explain to Stallman in my email exchange with him was the fact that everybody knows that he wants us to call it GNU slash Linux, but we just don't care. And that he's got this patronizing fucking attitude that people need to be educated that it's GNU slash Linux. And I said to him, no, our show is fairly technical. And of all the people listening, not a single fucking one of them doesn't know that he wants it to be called GNU slash Linux. uh, They all just call it Linux anyway and ignore him. So how do you feel about that, Phelan? Yeah, I mean, I can I can empathise with them, um, but it's like one of these things where if you encounter somebody who says, "Oh, I'm going to Google for something online," I don't use Google, but I I still know what they mean, and I will still say to them, "Yes, you should Google that online." You know, I don't go to them. You should start page that online, or you should duck duck go that. You know, I I don't feel the need to like overcorrect them on that and whether I do or don't you know if that's a failing I'm not sure but at a certain point a thing becomes the nomenclature or whatever you want to call it you know we we all use the word hoover when we mean vacuum cleaner you know teflon teflon yeah it's just become the way something has and you know if you if you happen to use the term gnu and it's your thing that you made and it's not the thing that's getting used yeah that sucks but at a certain point it's just too long and you just don't use it anymore and yeah i should say gnu plus linux slash linux whatever it is but yeah as jesse says it's awful it is a terrible thing it's a kludge it feels terrible as you say it and yeah if they come up with something else and call it eagle or foxfire or something like that yeah that'd be great probably Um, wouldn't want to call it foxfire (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Mind control airplanes firing missiles. I mean, that's awesome. But at some point, they just have to accept it, don't they? They have lost. Stormman has lost the the argument. No one is calling it GNU slash Linux, or very few people are. And he needs to just stop fucking moaning about it. Well, you can't call it that because it's not just GNU slash Linux. GNU is no longer the most important component in there. There was a time then, you you know, you had to have them both together, but you're at a point where then they don't require each other. You don't need the GNU tool chain. All right, a lot of people still use it, but when you count up what's actually GNU in there, it's it's just another component. And you're going to get to the point where you call it Linux plus Pulse Audio plus System D plus Dash plus Bash, you know, who else isn't getting credit? Like, should they all be emailing RMS and say, uh, you know how we got X11? <laughs> you know how everyone's using it? The bigger word you hear is the fact, though, that they are, there's real attacks happening on free software right now. You know, there are other compilers coming in where people are, you know, maybe not used to the fact that there wasn't always free software who might be more inclined to go along with oh yeah we'll maybe tie in with this not quite as open uh compiler components whatever and you know there could be people tempted to use things where we end up in a situation where we don't have fully free tools at some point down the road where they should really be 
making those tools the best tools they are and actually working on those things, not worried about things like what we call them. So education, not brand. Yeah. I mean, that's where we should be putting all the effort. You know, naming something is not as important about it as what it does. I mean, there's a bit of a segue there. It's like the many names for God, isn't it? You know, it's still what it is. So yeah, if they were to put their money and resources into fighting the battles of saying, this is why you use free software and these are the benefits it gives you. And if you want to call it floppy purple dinosaur, by all means. <laughs> well, yeah, like this crusade against open source because it's not idealist enough. It's too pragmatic or whatever. Like who gives a fuck? As long as like the source code is open and, and it qualifies as free software, if you want to call it open source or FOSS, as I tend to call it, I tend to split the difference then why should you care? And if you're calling it Linux, people know that it's GNU slash Linux. Like, why do you have to be like so hung up on it that you won't go on a, a podcast about it unless they rename the fucking show? Like, it just seems like, yes, I understand. Like, this obviously follows on from last episode where we were talking about this stuff. And I said, you need to have someone at that end pulling the rope. But like, you, you, you can... Be, I think he's fallen off and he needs that rope to get back up. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, it. you just come across like just as so unreasonable when you do stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I tried to explain to him and you all read that conversation. I copied you in to it. I mean, I was trying to explain to him that we talk about Android. We talk about other operating systems that have Linux, other places where Linux is used. And he just was having none of it. He's just like, no. and And just... The, it was the arrogance, the, the 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 patronizing tone of it all as well. And I said to him, look, you're underestimating people thinking that they don't know it's supposed to be GNU slash Linux. And he just is having none of it. And I'd heard that he was a very difficult man to deal with. And I thought, oh, no, that's just people, um, you know, being wrong. But now I just, like, don't really have much desire to talk to him because he's just so unreasonable. And he, he is this you know he he's the self-proclaimed leader or you know or originator of the free software movement and it just like that encounter that i had with him makes me want to stop calling it free software and want to start calling it open source and like never ever call it no slash linux again no no you don't have to throw all of the toys out the pram just because you had a bad experience <laughs> yeah i mean the fact is here you know you gave him an opportunity to have a platform to talk about it. And instead of using the opportunity to educate people, you know, and say, well, this is the difference between free software and open source. These are what the worlds look like. If we continue along these lines, this is what we can do to be more proactive about it. And, you know, this is the software that's power in the world. And this is why freedom matters because, you know, like medical devices, we want to make sure that they're actually secure. Instead, he went after the name. And that says every single thing you ever need to know about the man. That instead, given the opportunity to educate, he will instead sit there, belittle, patronize, and get hung up effectively over an e-peen. Because that's what this is. It's like he wants to have his name over it because of the success of the branding power of Linux. And completely issued an opportunity for education. So that says to me that, you know, he's deviated from his original mission, which doesn't make him the messiah of free software anymore. If there's someone who is that sort of insightful because they're so one way, it would 
it doesn't bode well and it's not surprising that he hasn't ended up on the show and we are now warming our hands on the fire of the bridges that Joe is burning <laughs> as, as we're chatting. I, I think you're, you're right. It's, it's difficult to have that person at the at the top or in, in the position they are and unable to, you know, by all means say, I feel it should be renamed this. And we all say, yes, we know that's what you think it should be renamed. But I'm afraid that column and parlance is for it to be called Linux, even though we know you want it to be called something else. Um, there's that uh, TV, you made a brilliant point, failure about uh, Googling stuff. And I had forgotten the fact that, you know, you'd rather use some other search engine. And there was the, what's that nerdy TV show with the scientists and the hot bird that lives opposite them? Big Bang Theory. And there was one of those, and they were chatting away, and they said, oh, why don't you bing that? <laughs> and me and my mates fucking wet ourselves. We're like, oh, you've got a, clearly got a Microsoft like uh, contract or something. No one fucking says bing it. Will I do that on my amazing Surface tablet, PC, laptop thing, whatever it is? We don't know because we can't product place it. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. that Sometimes you just have to give up, don't you, and just accept that you've lost. It's sad. It's genuinely sad because, you know, this this shouldn't be the way things are. You know, I should still be fighting purely and passionately for for what he believes in. And I'm not going to sit here and do a character assault on the man. The fact is that his actions are his words at this point. So it's not a case of one speaking louder than the other. You know, he's given the opportunity and would sooner get hung up on those kinds of details. And for me, you know, living in effectively the the postmodern freedom world which is now open source unfortunately is the successor you know that that baton was passed along and the the world that i know and this is really bad to say but the the way that stallman is right now we don't need him we actually need someone better who's going to do what he did 20 odd years ago we need that Stallman, not the guy here today. We need someone who's going to fight to further how we progress. You know, because at the end of the day, this is supposed to be about freedom. It's supposed to be genuine freedom for all humans. It's supposed to be about all people. And instead, what we keep seeing is his own egos and personal hang-ups affecting this mission. You cannot have somebody like that then leading a, a, a movement effectively, which purports to support and enhance the lives of all human beings. Because at the end of the day, that is complete bollocks. We were talking a little while ago about the difference between operating systems and kernels. If you, yeah, if you sort of deviated. Sort of deviated, you yeah. Like you're standing on some lawn that you were going to get told to get off of there, Ike. No, it's just, like, it's just really annoying because he <laughs> should have just done the education part, but this is the guy that represents us. Like, you know, we are desktop Linux users in, in his world, GNU slash Linux. That's the guy representing us. That That should annoy all of us. It really should because... He should not be behaving like that. But yeah, I'm off the lawn now, so... Yeah. Um, all right, well, uh, it's a bit of a shorter episode this time because I'm ridiculously busy with work and I have to be up early and I got up early and I'm tired and excuse, excuse, excuse. But we'll be back, hopefully, with a properly long episode next time in a couple of weeks. Uh, but until then, then, I've been Joe. I've been Jesse. I've been Phelan. I've been slightly angry. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Thank you.